0: Hey, this is Brennan, yourself from King's Church. Thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. I pray that this message you're about to hear empowers you, encourages you, challenges you, and equips you to live the life that Jesus has for you. Thanks for tuning in. But we are in a series we're calling In Step, and this has really been birthed out of, if you're just joining us, birthed out of a journey we took back in June. How many of you were with us in June and you went through the series of the Holy Spirit series? Okay, but some of you haven't. I'd encourage you to go back and watch that, but we... Spent some time really pursuing the presence of the Holy Spirit. And God really showed up in some powerful and beautiful ways for so many of us. But now we're in a season where we are realizing that life with the Spirit is more than just this one-time encounter or talking about a God who's far away off. God wants us to learn how to live in lockstep with Him every single day. And that's really what these next few weeks are about. We're going to be really practical. We're just going to get right down to like brass tacks on what does it look like to live life as a friend and partner with the Holy Spirit. How many of you know that God is not just God the Father off sitting and presiding over the cosmos? He's not just Jesus who came in the flesh and died and rose again for our salvation, but He's God the Holy Spirit who actually lives and moves in real space and time right now. And we as believers are... We have the gift and opportunity to know God intimately, and that's really what these next several weeks are about. Now, we set up the concept last week of walking in step, and we essentially said this, that according to the Word of God, the quality, the durability, and the vitality of my life has everything to do with there is the sum and the substance of my ability to live close to Him. Now, is your salvation dependent on your works? No, it's not. How many of you are going to get into heaven because you're a good person? None of us. Well, Jesus. You're going you're to be able to go to heaven because Jesus died for you and gave his life up for you. And now the life I now live, live in the body, I live in faith in Christ. That said, we are called by Jesus to learn how to remain in him. How to walk intimately with God through his spirit. And that's really what we're trying to do here. And I want to tell you in love that every Christian life is not the same. Some people experience deep wells of intimacy and fruitfulness that comes from knowing God, and other people just kind of exist in this perpetual state of, I believe in a God that I never really knew or met. And God wants us all to actually know Him and walk with Him personally, and that's really what we're trying to do. And we learned last week where it all really begins. It all begins with a death to self. We talked last week, and if you you missed last week's message, I'd really encourage you to go back and check that out. Isn't technology awesome? Some of you are watching this on YouTube, and I hope that some of you go back and check out anything you've missed. But basically, the Apostle Paul set us up with this conversation about keeping a step with the Spirit, and here's where it all kind of hinges. He says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires, that that your flesh and your passions, that there are desires inside of you that actually wage war against the desire of the Spirit. And so the the journey of a believer is to learn how to deny my will when it is at odds with God's will. And so this is the invitation. And then he says this, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. And he goes on to say that if you do that, you will be fruitful, you will bear much fruit. And so that's really what we're trying to do right now. And so today I want to talk to you about something that is probably the most important thing when it comes to your life with Christ and your life living in step. Now last week, if you were here, some of you heard me talk about like the small little choices we make and how a lot of us get s- become slaves to, to things that are destructive for us. We're talking about being slaves of the flesh. Some of you heard that as me saying that you need to exercise more and eat better. Pastor Bradford. I know I had a bunch of you. P- Bradford last week got on his grind. He went out and started running. He's like, I need to get in shape. And God bless you, sir. But that's not really what the point of my message was. The point of my message was this idea of the gradual crucifixion of the flesh. And if that helps you get your body in order, that's great. But the, the analogy actually lends itself to physical fitness. And I want to tell you something today about your physical health. Here's a pro tip. And this will help anybody else who's trying to get in shape. I have learned that... You cannot outrun or outtrain your diet. Is that a fact? It sure is. Look, you could exercise six hours a day. I guarantee you could eat worse than how much you exercised. And in fact, I talked to a couple of physicians back when I was trying to get healthy a number of years ago, and basically both of them said uh, about three quarters of the picture, like, is your diet. About 75%, 70% anyway, is how you eat. The other 30% is probably how much you exercise. So eat really well and try to exercise and you'll be all right. Now I use that analogy because it lends itself really good to the spiritual life. How many of you know God designed your body and He designed your soul and He designed your spirit? And a lot of them function very similarly. And when it comes to your soul and it comes to flourishing in life with the spirit, it's about 70% diet. It's about 70% what goes in. And what needs to go into us is the word or the voice of God in real time. That if you and I can learn to hear the voice of God and know the voice of God and receive the constant nourishment of the word of God, we will live the life that God has for us. It's about 70% diet. Jesus said this. Jesus said when he was being tempted in the wilderness, what he says, a man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of the Father. Yeah, he he said later on, he said, if you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. He says, my sheep know my voice. You need to know my voice, how I'm guiding you and directing you in real time. If you read the scripture, you will find out that God is a God who speaks. That that's how he created everything. In In the beginning, God said, let there be. Light. Let there be life. Let there be the world. God is a God who speaks. From Genesis to Revelation, you will find that, that, that God's creative power comes through His Word. And so we as His people have got to learn how to interact with Him through His Word. That's what I want to circle today. I want to talk to you about the Rama Word of God. I'm going to unpack what that word means in just a minute. But basically, your discourse or your diet of the Word of the Spirit is going to dictate how healthy your Christian life ultimately is. Here's the big idea for today. We'll talk about those other things in the coming weeks. Here's the big idea. The first step to living in step with the Spirit is learning to hear, know, and speak His words. This is the first step. This is actually... 70% 70% of the picture is coming to know the voice of God. We have been made, designed to live by, be led by, and love by His voice. You are a creature who is dependent. You need the voice of God, and we have got to learn how to hear the voice of the Lord. So I want to spend a few minutes specifically talking about two gifts that God has given all believers for us to Walk and live and move in open dialogue and discourse with the Spirit of God. Let me just say this over all of you. God is speaking. And God is constantly wanting to speak to you. And I want to add to that, His Word brings life. And it brings freedom and transformation. And I have experienced, you know, the ability for God to change my life with one word is just unmatched. Has anybody, like, tried to get victory in a certain area in your own strength? You know, your discipline, your white-knuckling, and then I've had experiences where I was struggling with something, trying to do my best, and then I had a word from God come and speak to that hidden place in my life, and all of a sudden, transformation happened. God's power in His Word is unmatched and unparalleled, and we need to be people who aren't just hungry for it, but we have actually tuned our ears in to be able to hear Him. That's what I want to talk to you about today, specifically with this idea of prophecy, the gift of the prophetic ministry, and tongues. Now, depending on your background, you probably have all kinds of opinions already formulated. I just want you to, like, take a deep breath, and let's just look at a passage of Scripture together where Paul the Apostle addresses it. Now, in 1 Corinthians 14, if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn there. We're just going to study it for a few minutes, and I'll get you out of here on time. But in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul addresses the gifts of tongues and prophecy specifically. If you were reading chapter 12, he's talking about all of the gifts of the Spirit. We're going to talk about that a little more next week. And then in chapter 13, he wrote something so that you could read it at your wedding. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not— No, I didn't read that for that, but we have. It's beautiful, so we've done it. And then in chapter 14, he rolls into this teaching— on specifically tongues and prophecy. And he gives us a lot of clarity where there's confusion. And he calls us to use them where there's abdication. So let's just keep that in mind. Let me read it to us, and then I'll kind of bring some, some context and some clarity, hopefully, if there's confusion. So Paul says this. Let love, so coming out of chapter 13. Here's a pro tip, and I didn't say this in the first service. just for you. The original letters did not have numbers or, or breaks. So if you're reading chapter 13 into 14, like Paul was just writing in one beautiful sequence. So he finishes the love chapter and then starts with love. Let love be your highest goal. But you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. Now let me just say this so I don't forget later. This letter is to a real church in a real time with real Christians, And Paul is not speaking to some superhero class of Christian that gets special abilities from the Spirit while the rest of us suckers just have to sort of sit in second class. This is to the whole church. So everything I'm reading here is for you if you are a believer in Jesus. He says you should desire the special abilities the Holy Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. You never thought of yourself as someone who could prophesy, but let me prophesy over you. God has given you the ability to hear His voice and speak it as a prophetic word to other people. You. Yeah, you. For if—this is going to take a long time if I keep interrupting myself. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God since people won't be able to understand you. You'll be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will be all mysterious. I'll come back to that. But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. Remember that, verse 4. Someone circle that if you've got your notes open. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the church. I wish you could all speak in tongues. I wish that for us. But even more, I wish you could all prophesy. For prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues. Unless someone interprets what you are saying so that the whole church will be strengthened. Which basically turns it into a prophetic word. More on that in a minute. Dear brothers and sisters, if I should come to you speaking in unknown language, how would that help you? But if I bring you a revelation or some special knowledge or prophecy or teaching, that will be helpful. Even lifeless instruments like the flute or harp must play the notes clearly, or no one will recognize the melody. And if the bugler doesn't sound a clear call, how will the soldiers know they're being called to battle? It's got to be clear, he's saying. It's the same for you. If you speak to people in words they don't understand, how will they know what you're saying? You might as well be talking in empty space. There are many different languages in the world, and every language has meaning. Meaning is clear. They have meaning. But if I don't understand a language, I will be a foreigner to someone who speaks it. And the one who speaks it will be a foreigner to me. There will be confusion. See, he's trying to address the confusion that's been happening. And the same is true for you. Since you are so eager to have special abilities the Spirit gives, seek those that will strengthen the whole church. So anyone who speaks in tongues should pray also for the ability to interpret what has been said. For if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying. Highlight that if you're taking notes. Right number, four, verse 14. If I pray in tongues, my... my My spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I'm saying. Well, then, what shall I do? I'll pray in the Spirit, and I will also pray in words I understand. I will sing in the Spirit, and I'll also sing in words I understand. For if you praise God only in the Spirit, how can those who don't understand you praise God along with you? How can they join in giving thanks when they don't understand what you're saying? You will be giving thanks very well, but it won't strengthen the people who hear you. Let me stop there. Let me try to untangle it, because there's probably all kinds of questions happening. First, let's get into the context. Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and if you ever had the idea that we just need to go back to what they did in the early church because they had it all right, you did not read the book of Corinthians. This was a hot mess of humanity and spirit all colliding and going crazy. And Paul brings a lot of correction to doctrine in the first part, and then he gets into like how we're supposed to interact with one another, and then he starts speaking to this concept of tongues and prophecy specifically, and he's bringing clarity because they are abusing it. They're misusing the gift of tongues. In this context, their worship services had gone out of control, and people who had received the gift of tongues were using it as a platform to elevate the flesh and a badge of honor that basically said, look how spiritual I am, and it was creating competition and confusion in the church. And some of you maybe have seen that or experienced that in the past. This is why a lot of believers and a lot of denominations have just shut down the idea of tongues, because they've seen it misappropriated. They've seen it used and abused in weird ways, in ways that weren't considerate to other people. And so Paul is coming in, he's trying to bring alignment, he's affirming the gift of tongues, we'll get to that in a minute, but he's saying there's a way this is supposed to happen. And you are misappropriating this special ability, this gift that God gives all believers. So there's two corrections that I want to highlight before I kind of unpack what, what we're talking about here. Correction number one is, Paul affirms the gift of tongues, doesn't he? He says, I I wish that you all could speak in tongues. And he affirms prophecy. He says, I wish even more that all of you could prophesy. These are good things that God has given the church. Let me say this over my Baptist friends and my people who grew up in my context. That like, you know, we believe that was in the Bible, but no thanks. This is something that God has gifted the church. The gift of tongues and the gift of prophecy. This is Christianity. It's not about, you know, it's not Pentecostal, it's not charismatic, it's Christian. God has gifted the church special abilities in which we are to interact with Him. And specifically, these abilities have everything to do with the voice of God. Uh, Sometimes they're called the vocal gifts, sometimes they're called the inspiration gifts. But God has graced the church to be empowered by His voice through each other. Isn't that incredible? That should, that should really encourage you. God has gifted the church to be empowered by His voice, His word, in real time through the gifts of prophecy, the prophetic, and tongues. Now, so that's for my cessationists in the room, people who think, hey, I don't want this Holy Spirit weirdness. No, that's, look, it's in the Bible. This is Christianity, and if, if God has it for us, we want it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now, on the flip side... It's not a contest as to who can speak the craziest. That's what Paul's correcting here. He's correcting a a, a maniac church. These aren't charismatics, they're charismaniacs. And they're like just going crazy. And what's Paul doing? He's bringing order back into the service. He's saying there's a way this is designed to work. And I wanted to spend a couple minutes unpacking this. Because I wasn't taught this growing up. I had to learn through my own baggage and fear, God's just slowly brought me on a journey to not only value tongues and the prophetic, but cherish it, and now I'm at a place where I long for that to be released and increased in our community. And so, we're just taking some time to just bring alignment, because I know some people's got fear, and some people's got flesh, and we gotta just deal with reality, and so that's what we're doing. So when are talking about the Word of God, really quick, I wanna unpack the difference or the variation in the word, word. Are you all with me still? I know. <laughs> You're going to school today. Sorry. Buckle up. It's time to mature. Let's talk about the word, word. Now, I want to talk about the word, rhema. The word, rhema. And what's, what are we talking about when we're talking about the prophetic real-time word of God? The rhema word is different than the word of God in general terms. There are two Greek words for the word word. Hang on with me. I wish English had more words for word than word. We don't. So there are two <laughs> Greek words. There's the word logos. You paying attention, kids? My kids are here, so it's keeping me honest. There's, there's keep me on point. And there's the word rhema. Rhema is what we're going to talk about pri- primarily here. The logos is the, this is a, a bit of a simplification, but it's helped me kind of categorize the difference. The Logos is essentially what God has said. This is the Logos. How many of you know this is the Word of God? Unchanging. The perfect, infallible, unchanging Word of God. Sharper than any two-edged sword. It was and is and always will be true. Can I get an amen? That's the Logos. God has fixed His Word. It is unmoving and immovable. It's what He has already said. It was true, is true, always will be true. It's His Word. The Bible tells us spoke creation into being. His Word upholds creation. The the Bible says that He upholds the universe by the Word of His power. That's the Logos. Like the the laws of the universe are built in Logos. It's what God has said. The Scripture is logos. Um, Now, what's the rhema? The Greek word rhema, uh, it translates as utterance. And the easiest way, there's an E, C-E. The easiest way to kind of understand the difference between logos and rhema is that, that if logos is what God has said, rhema is what God is saying right now. Rhema is like a now thing that God, by His Spirit, is saying. And I want to tell you today, we are a church, and I'm a pastor who believes that God has spoken, and God still speaks. And a lot of believers, go back to the diet analogy, a lot of believers are living life malnourished because they've never heard God speak to them daily bread. Like something fresh in the moment today and it's this rhema word that actually brings the church real-time power and nourishment and we need more of it this is what i'm talking about when i get talking about the rhema so that's the difference uh, maybe let me, let's use this as an analogy just so we have real clarity on the difference between rhema and logos um you know all this you know the story of the great storm and jesus walks on the water Sounds like there's a great storm outside right now. Y'all don't want... Look, settle in. It's raining. I can take my time. <laughs> Jesus walks on the water out to the, out to the disciples. And Peter, the apostle, what's he say? He says, Lord, if it's you, call me. Tell me to come. What does Jesus say? Come. <laughs> so Jesus, the Word of God, speaks the Word of God. Come, correct? Now, for Peter, in that moment, that is both Logos and Rhema. That's a now-in-the-moment word. Jesus, the Son of God, who holds the universe in his hand, says, Walk on water, I got you. And Peter gets out and starts to walk on water. And he did it for a minute anyway. It didn't work out that good, but he, he did it for a second. Now, that was Rhema for Peter, but when Jesus says, Come, walk on water, it's Logos for us. Like, it would be a misappropriation of the word for us to all hop in our vehicles and drive down to the Kennebecasis River and give it a try. Right? It would. That would be fun and funny. But Jesus did not show up here today and say, now I want you, King's Church, to walk on water too. Do you see the difference? Can we move on? So life is found both in the Logos and also in the Ramah. And in fact, when you hear a lot of the promises of God and a lot of the things that God does and the way that God reaches into His people, it's those rhema moments that change everything. I cannot tell you, unless you've experienced it, I just, you sound like a blubbering idiot, and I always, I always feel like, you, I just can't explain to you what it feels like to have God speak a word to you, but it is overwhelming, undoing, and rebuilding, and refreshing all together at once. Has anybody ever had a rhema word from God? Some of you have maybe heard it a little bit even in sermons. Like, I've had some of you come up to me after church and be like, Pastor, you were speaking just to me. Well, I, no, I wasn't. But the Spirit might have been. Now, even more specific is when someone prophesies to you. It is unbelievable. Like, just this past, this past week, let me tell you a quick story. This past week, we had staff retreat. And we went, we went deep sea fishing as a staff. That was an experience. We had about a 35% seasickness rate. So that was a really, really fun to watch. And it wasn't me. So I had a great time just watching people be sick. So it was great. Yeah. Actually, the, the people who, like Bradford, Bradford went out there, like, just fishing and pulling up cod, like, left and right. He wasn't even going to go. He comes out there, no problem with seasickness or anything. But a bunch of them got sick. Anyway, that's not the point of my story. So we went fishing. Turns out, we come back, and the next day we have a spiritual retreat. and We always end our staff retreat with a time of worship and prayer and ministry to each other. And somebody the night before, one of our board members, Davy, had had a dream specifically uh, relating to fishing. And also, Pastor Seth Fancy, our Halifax pastor, when we were out fishing, was hi- he was highlighting for some reason God was highlighting to him. Pastor John Robertson uh, and our Charlottetown campus, and we were fishing outside of Charlottetown and. God gave Seth a word for John just that was, hey, there's a lot of fish to be caught in Charlottetown. And just as a word of encouragement. And so we're praying for each other, and Seth starts to share this word over Johnny, and Johnny's like already being ministered to. And then Davey says, actually, since clearly God's on this, let me share the dream I had. And he began to share a dream that God had given him about fishing and and the timing and just— It was unbelievable to watch as Davy began to prophesy to John Robertson to see John just be touched in a way that none of us ever could. We could never get there. That's what the prophetic does. That's rhema. It's a now specific reach into your soul and turn on the lights. Reach into your soul and break the chains. Reach into your soul and bring life where there was no life. That's what the rhema does. And you should be really hungry for that. Now, we, we, we live off the last one, but God we, makes us hungry for the next one. And that's where we're supposed to stay, in that space. So that's the difference between Rhema and, and uh, Logos. you have it? We, can we move on? So are like, okay, talk about tongues and all that stuff. Okay, let's do that. So what's tongues and what's the prophetic ministry? Let me just highlight a couple things and then kind of unpack tongues and prophecy and the difference of the two. So a couple things I wanted you to highlight and the first is in verse 12. Oh, this is the wrong. This is the wrong one. Let me, just, let me just say this, though. Let me just look at this. I wish you could all speak in tongues. Let me just bring that back. And I wish even more that you could all prophesy. Let's just let the Word of God speak and bring just authority to the fact that God desires for you and I to have the gift of tongues and to have and operate and receive through the prophetic ministry. So... What happens when the Spirit speaks? This is the slide I was looking for. So Paul starts to bring some insight into the confusion that was happening with the gift of tongues. He starts to talk specifically about how there's confusion going on in the church in Corinth, and talking about if you, if you speak in tongues, you should pray for the ability to interpret what has been said, for if i pray in tongues my spirit is praying but i don't understand what i'm saying now let's just stop there and let's start to unpack what in the world or what in the heaven is going on with tongues so paul is bringing alignment and let me say it like this there are basically two primary purposes for the gifts the gift of tongues and this is the gift is when god gives a believer Language they did not previously possess, supernaturally. This is a real thing. It really happens. I've experienced it in a couple of ways, both ways, actually. Way number one that tongues is designed to work is when God gives believers the supernatural ability to communicate to another person truth in a language they don't have. So like if I'm English and I'm on the mission field and I meet somebody who's Speaks a different language, doesn't speak English. God has and does often give grace for believers to speak a language they didn't have. Like if you're in France, He gives you the ability to speak French suddenly and just for that moment. It's happened. It's happened to me before. Uh, in, in a kind of a general sense, I was preaching here on this very stage about six years ago, did a, did a salvation message, and there was a young lady from Brazil, not our worship leader Damaris, another young lady from Brazil who came forward to me, and she had tears in her eyes. She spoke, spoke a no English, and she said to me, she looked me in the eye, and she said, I understand, and she understood the, the invitation to salvation and, and receive Christ. Uh, I talked to my sister's father-in-law, who spent most of his life on the mission field. He told me of a time, his first week on mission in, uh, he was in Cuba, I believe, and he he hadn't learned Spanish yet, and he went with a group to do prison ministry, and when he got there, he found himself leading two inmates to the Lord in Spanish. And they both accepted Christ. God will give us, as believers, the supernatural ability to speak a different language for the purpose of evangelism and encouragement that goes across language barriers. Make sense? That's way number one. It's, it's the way that God graces us to interact with one another through different languages. Otherwise, Paul says, if you can both speak English, speak English. Try to encourage each other and make sense of it. Okay? Now, he also talks, though, about the gift of tongues as something that helps us talk not to each other, but to who? Who? God, to the Spirit. And this is the gift of a prayer language or tongues. And I want to tell you something. As a person who grew up with no category for that, other than it's this weird thing in the Bible and some of the weird Pentecostal friends I have do it. um, I, I have been on a journey the last decade where God has given me this gift of a prayer language and it has changed my life. Like, I just, I want to just hold that out there by way of testimony, just to say, this isn't just a sacred thing to God, to gift His people the gift of a prayer language, but it is something that is transformational in how you interact with God. What the gift of tongues as a prayer language is, is when your spirit begins to utter things in such a way that it's speaking to the, spirit, the Holy Spirit in real time. I can't explain it any better than that, other than it is giving over your spirit to interact with the Holy Spirit in real time and it has nothing to do with English, and your head doesn't even necessarily know what's going on. It is truly like the utterances of your soul and of your spirit interacting and dialoguing with the Holy Spirit. That's the best way I can communicate it. This is what Paul's getting at in Romans, where he talks about, like, with words and groans and utterances, the Holy Spirit helps us pray. And that's what the gift of of prayer language is. It's to actually help strengthen you as you learn, as you pray to God. And that's been my my experience. I have benefited from this. I'll tell you the story. About a decade ago, I had a friend. I was was on a journey. I shared some of this back in June about my journey with the Holy Spirit. And not long after that, I had a friend come up to me who operates in in, in a lot of the gifts, specifically in the prophetic. And he said, uh, the Lord wants to give you the gift of tongues. Do you want it? And I was like, no, I'm good. No thanks. Like a lot of you feel like right now. No, no judgment. I know exactly how you feel. I'm, now I'm good. He's like, no, I, I think he really wants to give it. And would you, just, would you just receive it? And I took a deep breath and just said, if it's God and he wants to give me something, I'm in. Okay, what do I do? And he said, just, just, I'm supposed to pray for you. So he put his hand on my chest and he said, Father, just release the gift of tongues to my brother Brent. And not long after that, I began to pray differently. And I began to actually interact with God in the Spirit through the gift of tongues, and it has changed my life. And I'll tell you this, I utilize the gift of tongues. Sometimes I I find myself doing it. Other times I make myself do it because I feel like I need to just, I need to step into that space with God. There is no faster way into the presence and communion with God than than a prayer language. And so sometimes when I'm feeling dry or feeling detached or feeling upset, I'll make myself go and pace and pray in tongues, and God begins to touch my spirit in a way that my English just never could. And so that's really what prayer language is. Does that make sense? So you don't need to be afraid of it. Some of you are so afraid that we're going to, like, someone's going to get up and start mumbling gibberish to the whole church. Here's what will happen if somebody stands up and they start speaking in tongues for the whole church to hear, myself or one of the pastors will wait for a minute and say, is there an interpretation? And if there's no interpretation, we will kindly and gently say, hey, nice try, that didn't work. (laughs) Um, Kindly, you know, just don't make that a habit if we're not going to get interpretations. You need to have an interpretation for the whole church. Otherwise, tongues are used between you and God. Now, we have been environments, like even on staff, not that long ago, we had someone come and say, I feel like I'm supposed to pray over the staff in tongues, and God is going to give one of you an interpretation, and that happened. Does that make sense? Okay, so that's the difference between the prayer language, and now let's get into the prophetic real quick. i got a couple minutes. Are you still with me? Yeah. All right, let's talk about prophecy for a minute. This is the thing that Paul's really, really amped up on the church getting, because prophecy really is the number one surefire way that the power and presence and provision of God gets inserted into the church. Talk about diet. If the prophetic is active, a church is often really healthy. And that's what we want to see in our church. So let's talk about the prophetic for a minute. Here's my best stab at a definition. I'll leave this up because it's a mouthful. To prophesy is when the Holy Spirit prompts a believer to deliver a message to a person or a community for the purpose of—this is important—for the purpose of edification, exhortation, and or comfort. It's always unto those ends. It is God's specific and time-appointed word for, to, and through His people. That's what a word of prophecy, that's what a prophetic word is. Now, let me untangle for some of you what it's not. Because this is where a lot of us get freaked out with this, too, because we've heard it or seen it misappropriated. You've seen people running around saying, thus saith the Lord, the Lord says this. And you're like, no, he doesn't. Right? Here's, here's a pro tip. If someone ever comes to you and says, I have a prophetic word for you, and it doesn't line up with what's in here, dismiss it. Just say, no thanks, or smile and nod. I do that a lot. Like, yeah, Good. <laughs> good. You know, it's just like, most of the time it's well-intended people anyway. You know what the worst, you know what the worst that can happen for someone who steps out and says, I think, I, I think God has a word for you? The worst that can happen is that it's wrong and that person is touched by the fact that you care enough to take a step to say something that you think God has for somebody else. <gasps> how, how terrifying. But that's the worst that can happen. So if someone ever comes to you, though, with a word that doesn't line up with what God has already said, God doesn't change His word. So, so the rhema has always got to affirm the Logos. Does that make sense? I know this is next level stuff, but we, we, we want to be mature as a church. So if God ever comes to you and says, God told me to tell you this, and that thing that they said doesn't line up with what God has already said, God didn't say it. And we've all been around, most of you have been around church long enough to know how easy it is to try to make God say something he didn't say. It's very easy. We do it a lot. So you got to know your word. Know the word. So it's not, what, is the, what the prophetic is not, a few things. Um, it is not fortune-telling. I am not going to put on a bandana and a ruby and start <laughs> holding a crystal ball. And that's not what this is. It's not fortune-telling. It's not future-telling. In fact, that stuff you can categorize with what Paul talked about last week with the flesh, sorcery. Remember last week we talked about sorcery? We're like, wizards? Anybody remember? It's like, what did I miss last week? Yeah, Pastor Adam and Julie are starting a, 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 a wizards group in CR. It's going to be awesome. So... No, but sorcery is the idea of trying to manipulate matter and, and to try to control your circumstances. And prophecy, prophetic words, are not God giving you secret information so that you can, like, have an advanced move on things. That's not what this is about. It's not, it's not necessarily about rebuke. Generally speaking, when God gives a word, it's, it's not harsh. It might be clarifying, it might be transformative, but it's not to cut you down. It's always for, and this is important, I just want you to get this. I'm going to be done in just a second, I promise. The prophetic word is for the purpose of edification. What's edification? To be nourished, to be strengthened, to be built up, to be prepared. For instance, let me use this analogy. In 2012, uh, July of 2012, I had my first prophetic dream where God gave me a very clear, vivid dream picture that I knew was him, and I woke up from that dream, and I heard God speak something into my spirit as clear as I ever had up to that point in my whole life. He said, I'm driving you into something. You don't have control about it, but don't be afraid. I'm with you. And turns out, a month later, I was 29 years old in charge of a church. You want to believe I held on to that word? It, It strengthened me. So so it's for edification. It's also for exhortation. Exhortation. What's that? It's it's, it's not just to strengthen, but it's to call out and to call forth and to cheer on. We have three things, three values in our prophetic ministry. Like Pastor uh, Dan and and Anthony, they they teach this in our course. In fact, we're going to be doing a Hearing God workshop at all of our locations in the coming weeks. But he says this. Here's what we want to do with the prophetic ministry. We want to build up, stir up and cheer up. This is what the prophetic ministry does. Builds up, stirs up, and cheers up. Comforts, cheers up. So that's, that's what happens. The Spirit of God will come upon a person, and he will speak something that brings edification, exhortation, and or comfort. Is that very clear? This is what the prophetic word does. Comfort is a big one. Uh, that's who the Holy Spirit is, by the way. He's a comforter. The paraclete, the helper, the comforter. This is what he does. Uh, an example of, of a prophetic instance that brought comfort. If you were here maybe a month ago, my uncle Don preached a message and he talked about the experience he had where his wife, my aunt Janet, was really in a grieve in a grieving moment, missing her daughter who had passed on. And she, she, he was, she was crying out to God, just saying, God, I need to know that you've got her, that it's okay. And Don at the same time was having a dream where he saw her perfect and whole and he came and gave her a hug. And Don woke up and he found Janet weeping beside him and then he said, I had the craziest dream. I just saw Lindsay, our daughter, and she was whole and she walked over and she never looked so good and she gave me a hug, I can't even tell it. (laughs) You wanna believe that was the word of the Lord for my Aunt Janet. Comfort. I got her. I got your daughter. It's okay. That's what the Spirit does. He builds up, stirs up, and cheers up. So that's the prophetic ministry. When someone speaks a word that comes from God to build up, stir up, or cheer up. Really quick, how does the Spirit speak? What are some of the ways? Three main channels that the Spirit speaks. I want to tell you this because I'm hoping... That out of this time today, God begins to open the channels for you to hear God a little more frequently. And that we as a church walk in the prophetic a little more abundantly. That's, that's really what I think God wants to do today. So, how do you hear God? And I want to encourage you, when you he- see the, the workshops being advertised, make sure you go to the Hearing God workshop that Anthony and Dan are going to do. But basically, three kind of categories or channels— First is a sense in our spirit or our gut, an impression. How many of you know the word of the Lord can come where he just whispers something into your soul, into your spirit? Has anybody ever heard that still, small voice? Very powerful whisper, I find. God can speak just a, a word into your spirit. And he's done that and does that for me. So in in, in impressions. Uh, the spirit can also bring a word through images. Um, both literal, like, physical images. Has anybody ever had um, God speak to you through nature? And not in a general way. Like, all of us are like, oh, it's so beautiful. Yes, but in a specific way. Like, you saw a landmark, and then the Lord spoke to you. Like, for instance, one time I was driving past um, Reversing Falls here in St. John. And as I was driving by, I looked at it as the water was literally turning over backwards, and the tide was pushing a river back. And as I drove by, the Lord spoke to me and said, I am going to do a work in this city that pushes back long, the long-standing, powerful flow of destructive things. My tide, when it comes in, is going to push that stuff back. And I felt that word over, over our church and over this city, and I'm still holding on to that. But that came through a landmark. God spoke through a landmark. Also through visions. Sometimes God will allow us to see things that aren't there in the natural, they're there in the spirit. Has anybody ever had a vision? You saw something. God highlighted something. Sometimes God will speak to us and he'll, he'll, he'll maybe show us something that's not actually there, but it's there to tell us something that is actually there. It's just not in your physical eyes. Is this too weird for some of you? Like, that's weird, but it's cool. So yeah, it is. It's really cool. So through images. Also, and primarily, God will speak to, to us through a messenger. Through someone who God gave a word through. Oftentimes they'll know it. Like if you come, and I'm going to invite you in just a minute to come, uh, Pastor Anthony and Dan and some of our prophetic team would love to speak and pray and minister to you. Um, There are people who just operate in that giftedness, and we're grateful for that, but everybody can prophesy. And sometimes people prophesy and they don't even realize it. Like my daughter Ava, she doesn't even know it yet, but one of the most powerful prophetic words that ever came to me in my life came through her. She's like, say what? Yeah, so she was probably eight years old, and we had just stepped out in our, for our church to do this big building program and launching multi-site. It was the biggest leadership step I had ever taken as a pastor, and it was Saturday afternoon, and I was sitting in our old house in our basement. Um, My daughter's room was right across the way, and I was on the couch, and I was literally sitting there freaking out about, like, what if nobody wants to do this, and what if this doesn't work, and what if I look like an idiot, and all that stuff, and I'm sitting there just pa- starting to panic. And my daughter, Ava, walks out, and she has one of those thingies that, uh, you know, it, like, it folds up and you go like this. Everybody knows exactly, exactly what that is, that little move. And uh, she'd made it at Kids Church the week before with Miss Linda, and there was Bible verses on it. I didn't even know. I was just annoyed. And she's like, Dad, pick a number. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Seven. And she's like, what? Dad, take that. And, like, and she's like, pick another number. And I'm like, oh, goodness, Ava, I just want to sit here and have a pity party, would you, you know, and I'm like, 40. She's like, like, pick another number, and she's like, I'm like, eight, and she's like, and and I'm sort of just half paying attention, you know, like, like we do as parents, and (laughs) she's, and she opens it up, and she, she goes, Joshua 1.8, have I not told you? (laughs) Do not be afraid. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. See that? <laughs> right? <laughs> and I'm just sitting there crying on the couch, like, oh God, you're so good. I'm not afraid. I don't have to be afraid. That's what the word of God does when it comes. And I'll tell you what, there's just a power. There's a power. The Rhema word has a now power. And I don't mean this to downplay the scripture. But there is like a, there, there is a nowness to the relationship that God wants to have with you. And the primary way we experience God in that nowness is through the rhema word. It's through these gifts that God has given us. So, I hope that today this just creates some appetite. And it creates a bit of a longing in our church to know His voice better. Our ability to daily dialogue with the Holy Spirit is the number one factor when it comes to living in step with Him and bearing the fruit of the Spirit-filled life. Would you stand with me? I want to pray. Here's what I'm going to pray. And you, do, you already might not know this or not, but you already prophesied earlier in the service. I spoke a prophetic word about God's desire that you would know that you are His child. And some of you turned and you took that word and you said it to somebody else. But I'm going to pray right now that God would increase the channels of dialogue that we are having with Him. Can we all pray that? Is, is there anybody that is against hearing God better? I don't think so. So let's just pray that, and let's humbly say, God, however you want to speak to me or through me, I give you permission. And God, hear your church, hear us. We want this to be a hotbed of rhema words. We want it to be very difficult to come into a gathering at King's Church and not, having, not have heard the word of the Lord. Not just through preaching, but through community. And through regular people who have these special abilities of the Spirit. So let's pray for that. Would you just bow your head, close your eyes, and open your hands to receive. I'm just going to pray. Very simple prayer. So Father, hear your church right now. We ask that you would open the channels of conversation more. Lord, we want to know you more. We know we need your word. And we don't just need it in general terms. We need it specifically and intimately. Lord, you have things you would speak and say and do in and through us, Lord. Would you open our ears to hear? Would you open our minds to perceive? Would you open our eyes to see? Would you open our hearts to see? Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters right now, Lord. We just reject like the religious spirit in this house. And we just say, Lord, we, we have no interest in creating confusion. We have no interest in creating some caste or class system that they're the spiritual people and they're not. Or we just reject all of that as we know you do. But we do say, Lord, we want everything you have for us. We want to walk with you closer. We want to hear your voice better. And we want to be able to encourage our brothers and sisters more often. So, Father, would you open the channels just by your grace, Lord? I pray right now for my brothers and sisters. Lord, I ask for the gift of tongues for those who have never experienced it. I feel like there's some people here right now, I'm just speaking to you. I feel like there's some people that once utilized a prayer language, and you've stopped, and the Lord says, I missed that. And there are some others that feel like, oh, that couldn't be me. I feel like the Lord wants to, he's, he's inviting you. So just receive, Father, I pray right now. Would you just release the gift of tongues of prayer language for my brothers and sisters, that they would come to know you through that, Lord. If they need grace and they need instruction and they need help, Lord, would you bring the right people around them? And now, Father, I pray uh, that we would hear your voice, the rhema word. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters right now. Lord, would you will we hear you in our sleep, through dreams? God, would you would you speak to this church? God, I, I we just. For what it's worth, it sounds funny for me to give you permission in your own church. But as the senior pastor, Lord, I give you permission, uh, God, to just release a, a higher frequency of words to your people, even if they challenge me and they challenge us, Lord. Would you just, would you just open the channels right now to your people to hear your voice like never before? God, I pray for grace for the one who's going to hear your word this week, and you're going to ask them to share it with someone else. I pray for courage and compassion that they would. Be diligent to share your word with brothers and sisters. So Father, I ask for dreams. I ask for words. I ask for prophecy. I ask for all those gifts. We desire those special abilities, Lord. We say they're true and they're real and they're for us and we all can use them. And so we say, would you give them to us in an increasing measure, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name and all God's people said, amen. amen.